Welcome everyone to the spoiler room. Very excited. Uh, always exciting when I get a chance to talk to Wisconsin filmmakers. And I've got one today who uh, his documentary, A Mom and Dad's Nipple Factory, which is an eye-catching title to begin with, is with me today. It is uh, Justin, Justin Superstar Johnson. That's right. I like me. how you said that. You can be my hype, hype man. You can be my flavor flav that comes around with me. <laughs> I can do that. I'll just I'll just travel with you and introduce you. Sure. <laughs> All right. Perfect. So, uh, Justin, uh, what I always like to start off with is why don't you uh, tell my listeners a little bit about uh, what your film is about? So Mom and Dad's Nipple Factory is a feature length documentary about my very conservative Christian parents secret prosthetic nipple business. And it's something where uh, really the origins of it are, are start with tragedy with my mom's breast cancer, mastectomy and reconstruction. Um, and my dad is like always been very much a tinkerer. He's kind of like the dad from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You can imagine that kind of vibe, but also extremely shy, uh, intelligent guy. And so after my mom's cancer and reconstruction, they basically rebuild the breast mound, but you don't really have a nipple there. And there's options like tattoos sure. and other yep. prosthetics, but they don't match. And so my dad put this kind of the same like inventive problem solving mind that he used on other very small businesses or innovations to kind of keep us kids in line because I'm the oldest of five kids. He used that same problem solving spirit um, to develop my mom, who's like the woman of his dreams, the, the perfect replacement nipple so she could look in the mirror and not think of her breast cancer. And it was something that, especially in 2000, uh, the 2007, 2008 era, really was something that wasn't around in a quality form for other cancer survivors, men, men and women. And they showed their plastic surgeon. He's like, there's nothing else like this in, in the world. Like you need to offer this to, to other women. And um, that began this journey that us kids didn't know really anything about for, for many years and was very much kept my parents don't like the word secret was, was very much kept under the radar. <laughs> sure, sure. And so this documentary is really a, it's a family story. It's funny. You know, you'll laugh, you'll cry, all those kinds of things. It's also a very serious topic, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but it's something that really has, has been very transformative to me and, and touches on something that I think has been really sadly overlooked in the cancer journey mm -hmm. for a lot of people. Yeah, it is. It's it's a subject that I didn't even, you know, you don't really equate to, you know, uh, the psychology and you go into it a bit of that, you know, I think most people are just like, oh, they seem to accept it and they're doing fine. But, you know, the physicality of either missing a nipple or having it not look right, even though there's some construction that you can do. So I, I enjoyed uh, that exploration in that a bit and, and finding out more about that, not quite realizing just how much you know, it, it meant to some uh, many folks out there to have just something, you know, what they consider, what would be considered normal, you know, like regular that when they yeah. look in the mirror. Um, and I found that, I found that fascinating. What I, what surprised me with this is, uh, and I'm very impressed on how open you were about your family and, and the, the events leading up to it. Cause part of the documentary again, which was, was a pleasant surprise was, uh, you know, leading up to the events uh, and, and you know, showing that it, it Midwest families aren't all just, you know, Norman Rockwell paintings as far as everybody getting along and handing out pies with each other and that. I know that, it, you know, uh, but 
you know, what what was your idea with the approach of this and, and how much to include and and was there debate on on how much to include in the beginning for the events leading up to uh, when you discover that they've been making prosthetic nipples? That was one of the hardest parts about forming the structure of the doc. The original journey of this film was it started as many feature docs start. It started as a short. Mm -hmm. And the conceit was, and this is also how I pitched it to my parents. So I, I, in some ways, I'm not going to consider it a lie, but in some ways <laughs> it was like, oh, their, their time commitment they thought was going to be a lot less than it ended up being. Sure. But the original idea was a short doc called My Dad's Nipple Factory. Mm. And the whole conceit of it was my dad making me a third nipple. And it was oh. just father-son type sure. story. So that was kind of how it all started. Very much something about the humor and the weirdness of my me doing the mold and sending it to my dad. <laughs> and he does sure. the whole process and the awkwardness behind that, but also... I didn't know if it was a father-son story. I didn't know if it was, was going to be a story about a business. And I filmed a little bit in 2015. I really couldn't figure it out. And every time I tell people about the core of this story, they would say, oh, my God, like, you have to finish that. You have to, you have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Just because even with that original title, it was still, like you said, very eye-catching. Thank you. And it wasn't until I really understood that the core of this film is my parents' love story and that mm -hmm. it really is this family story and not a story about a business or, or specifically an entrepreneur. That started opening things up for me conceptually in, in a pretty mm -hmm. big way. And when I was able to meet the first customer uh, and film with them in person, that also helped me realize, oh, wow, the impact here has been really great because they were really effusive and very emotional about it. I could see how much of a difference it had made. And then as we dug into the family element of it, it was something where um, my producer, uh, he's an Academy Award nominated producer, Jason Cohen, who came onto the project uh, a couple years ago. Really, it was like, I, I talked a lot about my siblings mm -hmm. and I was sort of behind the camera, but it, it felt like my part of it just like, wasn't included and, and wasn't really a part of it. And that was the thing that I think a lot of filmmakers, there are certainly plenty of cringy examples and I'm sure people could consider <laughs> my example cringy, right? The filmmaker putting themselves in there. But in this instance, because it really is my family mm -hmm. and because my exploration of it is, is a part of the journey. And like you said earlier, we do talk about how families can become very divided based on ideology, religion, politics, whatever. And, all of the above are, are relevant to my family and I. And so as I went on this journey of really exploring my parents' life and getting to understand them, and as the note of just like, hey, we need to kind of understand everyone in the family started coming up and I started looking into my past and my relationship with my parents back in that era when around when my mom was getting cancer, there was moments of real discovery for me, understanding how I was quite, in a lot of ways, quite rude to them and really didn't want anything to do with them and sure, was becoming sure. estranged, really more on my side of it than, mm -hmm. than theirs, but certainly mm -hmm. pulling away from the family unit. Um, and as I began exploring that and as I began seeing myself change through the process, that's when 
it felt like it was it was a a, a leg of the stool that we're of trying to build a complete film sure. and that evolved quite a bit and really it wasn't until i locked the edit i know it's you know final cut mm -hmm. right so it should be about editing um i locked the edit in march of uh 2022 mm. and it really all the story arcs and all the storylines didn't really start coming into place until uh, october of 21 when i had a, a very small screening with a few uh, mm -hmm. a few friends in um here in minneapolis and it was that note of like, hey, you know, if you're going to be, and I'm the narrator, right? I'm doing the voiceover. And the note was like, if you're going to be in it, like you have to be all in it or not in it at all. Right. And then that's when I really started my own exploration. But um, the core of it is my parents' love story. But I think it, at the end of the day, if you're going to pick one phrase to describe what the film about is about, it's about becoming whole again. And, that, mm -hmm. and that, that, that works across a lot of the different themes of the doc. Yeah, there are a lot of different themes and a few that uh, I related to with my own personal family. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, the 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 separation, the uh, uh, you know, the, the the rift that can build between parent uh, parent and child uh, for beliefs. Uh, for me personally, it was a conflict between how we were handling my children and what my mom thought at the time, uh, how she thought we should be, you know, and that, so when I was watching your documentary, uh, you know, watching this and, and saw that about, you know, the beliefs and you hit that one point about how you were, you know, going out for your career and you're just like, okay, I'm old enough. Bye. You know, yeah. I, I kind of, I, I felt that, that, uh, that can, you know, that, uh, that, uh, separation that you end up getting. Um, and it was, it was nice how you brought it all back together. It was nice because it's reality here folks this isn't just scripted this isn't like you know some reality show where you've got this scripted this is all authentic real uh you know experience this what you're happening is happening and that's what always makes documentaries that, that extra level of special i think and especially the heart that you put in here but it, putting your part in there i do think that helped with the connection because otherwise you're just kind of the outsider looking in you don't have that real like emotional today and you could that comes through on your camera work and and just thank, thank you yeah it's um it's something that a lot of our so we've we've had a couple screenings uh film mm -hmm. festivals and things like that and a lot of the audience is is older women um mm -hmm. really primarily that really resonate with this because so i think it's uh one of every eight i think at the, at the very least uh, women go through uh, breast cancer and so people have their own experiences and they you know of course right. people who have experiences and so those those audience members really connect with the film and they love talking to my mom uh, as, as a fellow breast cancer survivor but i certainly have had plenty of conversations with other people who are younger and just being like hey i went through a very similar thing of whether being estranged or currently being estranged or difficulties discussing religion and politics and the, and the divisiveness that that can, that can be and bring. And I think that has been nice because this film does, this doc does have a lot of different themes mm -hmm. and I haven't found myself after screenings talking about the same thing over and over again, because so sure. many different things resonate with audience members mm -hmm. and it, it, there's so much to dig into there in terms of the content. Um, and even like, it's not, it's not included in the film just cause I, I felt it was kind of maybe too much, but my, my dad, um, 
did have a brother uh, that ended mm. up uh, dying, passing away, and him and my grandfather were estranged for um, mm -hmm. for a while. He had moved to San Diego and really didn't talk with my grandpa, and then and then had died. Um, and I know that my dad, who's an extremely loving and sensitive person, wouldn't want that to ha to history to repeat itself in in some ways um, on that. So from it's certainly the way he can be portrayed um, when you just look at him from the surface and the doc can be maybe a little more colder, but uh, that isn't, he's a hard guy to really convey on camera. Sure. I think what's really special is it's so rare in this day and age to have anyone who doesn't want to be on camera. Most mm -hmm. people want to be influencers and this sure. and that. And he really like doesn't want to be on camera, <laughs> but for him, if he's going to do something, he's going to do it right. And he's going to, sure put his energy into it. And so it was a real honor to, to receive that. But, but yeah, so that, that was something where people come up to me afterwards mm -hmm. and really talk about that similar feeling. And I hope it can be a film that can help build, build some bridges mm -hmm. or even just get, just get people to start broaching conversation with their parents or, or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And it's something where the editing process was in a lot of ways, when I was living in LA, editing this film, uh, and my dad was really the first kind of documentarian I ever knew. We had 150 hours of old home sure. video footage that he had shot. Going back to, and, and the clip is in the film, going back to 1986, where I'm 40 years old, and I'm seeing a home video camera for the first time. And I'm asking my dad, well, how do you see from that into there? He's looking through the viewfinder on this, you know, I'm sure huge VHS camera. Yeah. And so I have this incredible archive of these just beautiful, almost like verite moments mm -hmm. of us growing up. And, and I'm, like I said, I'm the oldest of five kids. And so I'm on this, on this timeline of, of all these hours of footage and I'm scrubbing and I'm, I'm here and, my mom is 40 and, and my dad is, you know, 35, yeah. my age at the time. And then I'm scrubbing for it. And then my mom is 65 and then she's 45. And I, I got this thing where it just really was like, um, I call it temporal whiplash. Sure. Where mm -hmm. it was just this, you could just feel the swiftness of time mm -hmm. and understanding going through a lot of similar feelings. I'm not the only one, certainly in 2020 that reevaluated their priorities yeah um and really being like oh wow like having spent that extra time going out and filming with my parents really getting to understand them and then realizing going through all this footage just how quickly life goes by and thinking hey la has its stuff and you know you can it's good to be there for career reasons and things like that and really for documentary you don't need to be there for documentary because <laughs> sure. it's such sure. the collaboration is very minimal honestly mm -hmm. like it's not like i need to know a zillion actors or producers like documentaries mm -hmm. can be done with a very small team and so you don't really need the networking quite sure. as much um mm -hmm. and that was a big part of the decision it was it was moving to be close to my parents to more easily finish the film during the pandemic, but then also really just to be, to be closer. And now it's, uh, I'm here in Minneapolis. My parents live in Eau Claire. It's an hour and a half. very, very yeah. easy, especially compared to LA hour and a half drive. Mm -hmm. I have lunch with my dad and I drive back and it is like effortless. And, and I really, um, I'm glad I can have that experience now. Yeah, that is, that is great that, 
the by doing the documentary, it kind of uh, brought those things into focus and you were able to actually, you know, and that's what I I think that's what's part of the appeal of this documentary is the natural. You could tell while you were working on this, suddenly you have this connection and you just naturally have this reconnection and and this re, you know, th this kind of rediscovery of 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 what is important and, and you know, where you need to be. And I think that really comes across, and that's part of the thing that touched uh, touched me while watching it was, uh, especially near the end when you get to the whole "Hey, we're going back to Minneapolis." I'm like, "There's something in the air here." Okay, yeah, uh, <laughs> my mom's favorite part too. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was very very touching. Uh, my son actually uh, is going to Stout, uh, so he's like uh, like halfway in between. <laughs> just oh, there you go. You that's go. that's where so, I went uh, and got and got. Uh, kicked out for for bad grades so i'm sure he'll do better than me <laughs> well they didn't mean to bring up bad bad memories there but you've got uh a lot of good yeah, memories <laughs> a lot of good memories here in the documentary uh you know i i was an only kid so i wasn't quite aware of sibling rivalries i only witnessed them through my good friend and through my two boys who i have uh what were your siblings how did they feel about you doing this documentary and I'm sure, I mean, they're used to kind of having a camera in front of their face. It sounds like, but when you came to them and said, Hey, I want to film you guys. <laughs> well, what a great question. Um, so being the oldest of five, I feel in a lot of ways. I, and now I am the owner and CEO of a company and we have about 30 employees. And, and I, I feel like growing up, as the oldest of a very large brood of siblings, you kind of are like, they're your first employees or they're your first PAs or whatever. And so there was a lot of creative collaboration that we would have as kids, um, create, creatively making little films and, and things like that. Uh, and then of course with my dad, documentarian side, that was always kind of a part of it. So I think that's a thing that people would find really special about the film is I always love documentaries and series where you feel like you want to spend time with the characters. I can only handle so many episodes of like always sunny in Philadelphia. Cause like, they're so freaking <laughs> bad. Right. Like I watch yeah, one too. Yeah. I'm like, it's too much. Um, and I'm very lucky to have very well-spoken, very wonderfully photogenic siblings. Mm. And so for them, it wasn't really a surprise. They, they know me. I've, this is my second feature doc and I, I really have lived in this world um, quite a while. So most of my siblings and I call, I have actually have this on camera. Uh, I called all my siblings and did just like exploratory, like, Hey, what do you remember about this and that before I even really started this process in earnest and uh, all my siblings, I was like, do you think I should make a documentary about this? And all of them said, sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> except for my brother Luke who features in the film very prominently because he's very much a chip off the block with mm -hmm. my dad very quiet very sensitive uh very religious and I asked Luke and he was like I don't think you should <laughs> <laughs> and he was being very he's a very honest guy and, and sure, I was like sure. all right well um <laughs> I hear that uh I'm still gonna do it <laughs> and um you've been outvoted <laughs> he was and he also has a, a, a somewhat prominent storyline in, in the mm -hmm. film. And it's something where I'm very, and I won't spoil it for the audiences, but mm -hmm. it's something where I'm very thankful that he was able to be a part of it because he also has a journey that, that I hope people will relate to. 
And so overall, siblings were very open to it. My little brother, Jesse, was my PA for most of this <laughs> of nice. the film. So sure. he's off camera, like holding a boom pole, or he's like in the mm -hmm. dentist chair. The dentist need, needed someone like to pretend they were working on. And um, so it really was a family mm -hmm. film in, in a many different senses sure. from the very beginning. But I had... Even with my brother, he didn't say, oh, you can't come film with me or whatever. They're very gracious in, in, in allowing me to be able to ask them questions that are, can be kind of tough for, for Midwesterners mm -hmm. to, to answer. <laughs> yes, us Midwesterners, I know, I know that, that feeling. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I'll have a drink with you, but that question, yeah, no, we're, we're off limits. Did you have one, any of those moments to where they're just like, no, we're not going to talk about that? <laughs> um, not too much. I mean, my yeah. dad, my, my, my siblings were, were pretty open about stuff. My yeah. brother, I definitely asked about, um, some of his medical history sure, yeah, yeah. quite a few times. And I think he was pretty gracious about answering over the years, answering in, mm -hmm. in similar ways, even though I was asking the same. And my dad, who's got a really great memory, I'd ask him something. He kind of gave me this looking back. I think you've already asked that. Like, let's, let's like move <laughs> on. Um, <laughs> But honestly, from the very beginning, my dad talking at all in this film, the original conceit for my dad's nipple factory was that mom would do all the talking because mom is very outgoing and very sure. uh, and very yeah verbal about things. <laughs> my dad is very quiet. And so dad would just be in B-roll and mom would be the one telling us about all the kind of stuff. And it wasn't until we sat down and there's, an, there's a court core interview in the film that's my parents sitting on a couch a little bit of american gothic kind oh, of vibes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that was a nearly two-hour interview and it was something where i was like I, was, I thought maybe it's just gonna be mom and then i was like does dad want to sit down maybe and then he sat down and then i'm like oh dad wants to talk and that was another one of those core moments where after having this conversation and, and getting into these deep emotional topics and really my dad being able to articulate really well because he has struggled with stuttering in the past and mm. certainly public speaking and things like that are, are pretty nerve-wracking for him but him really pushing through a lot of tough topics mm. and, and again answering my questions without really pushing back on things were all positive signs into this being mm. having the potential to be a larger project and I, I was very happy about the positivity of this, the, the whole documentary, because we get we get so many documentaries. I'm I'm just waiting for the end going. Uh oh, okay, where's this? Who who's you know? Yeah. Suddenly the business goes goes you know goes up belly up and this and but tits up tits up exactly. <laughs> it definitely goes tits up, uh, but it doesn't. Uh, and and I really love you know getting to show the people they've impacted positively with this work. Uh, I loved seeing that. Uh, how has this, if at all, really changed things for them since you've been doing this and since it's been growing naturally, it sounds like even before the documentary, but since you've been doing that, has it changed things for them? It's an interesting thing because I really, that was another fine line to tread is I never mm -hmm. wanted it to come across as a promotional video for my parents. Right. Yeah, no. You certainly see it's a very... DIY operation. Mm -hmm. It's not built for scale. And my dad, <laughs> yeah. frankly, whereas for me, it's very natural 
when I was growing my company, adding employees, leading people, that wasn't an issue for me. But for my dad, that that would be like his worst nightmare. And I remember talking <laughs> to a producer for a network that will go unnamed. And he was sort of, we were earlier in the process. We hadn't finished the film yet. And, and he was saying, oh, you can have this third act where your dad goes to China with a suitcase full of nipples. And he's pitching all these companies to try to like, oh, I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like my dad would hate that and he would disown me like, there's no way. So I needed to be very honoring to him and also be authentic as a film. Um, so for them, I think this is a very, it is a very niche market. Uh, yeah. Certainly plenty of people have gone through, men and women have gone through breast cancer, mm -hmm. but it's at a very specific time of need. A lot of people right. have tattoos and it's within this kind of window in the cancer journey that is, that can be small. Um, but uh, we had our world premiere in Milwaukee. We were the opening mm -hmm. film for the Milwaukee Film Festival. And we played uh, the sold out 1000 seat theater in, nice. in downtown Milwaukee. And it was absolutely mm -hmm. unbelievable. And I think maybe after that, my parents got three more orders. You know, it's, it's a <laughs> sure. thing where sure. as we're on the festival circuit, the film is limited in terms of the scope it can go out to. So right. it's in the hundreds not the thousands, right. not the millions. Um, but there, there has been, I think, a, a baseline mm -hmm. trickle in terms of orders, but it hasn't been a deluge. And mm -hmm. honestly, if this was something that, and we still don't have distribution, we're trying to figure sure. all that stuff out. But um, if it was, if it went viral or was featured in a, in a big way or really was, was pushed, and yeah, the, I think there's potential there for, for people to say, ah, you know, it's, but thankfully now versus 12 years ago when my mom um, originally had the breast cancer and they really, and they started their business in, in around 2011, um, there are a lot more options for, for sure. women. So mm -hmm. my parents are the only ones doing this and technology right. is becoming better mm -hmm. with 3D printed cells and a lot more techniques that will be more permanent solutions than these, which are adhesive prosthetics mm -hmm. that are, are semi-custom made based on several different parameters. And I, I think if it became something that was a burden for my dad, really, mm -hmm. and the order volume, like you think of, you hear stories of some famous food show and they go to this <laughs> little hole in the wall pizza shop or Anthony Bourdain or whatever, right? And like, this is the secret hidden pizza that no yeah. one knows of in Brooklyn. <laughs> and then like, it becomes this thing and there are lines and mm -hmm. it, it just becomes like, yeah, there was, there was a local place here in Minneapolis. That's um, I think it's native American food. Mm -hmm. And there was a New York times write up. This is the best new restaurant in the country. And I was like, well, I'm never going to be able to eat there now because <laughs> they gave me a four month wait list. Like I, yeah. I could have gone a year ago and I yeah. wasn't able to get in in a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> And I know that if it got to that point, like my dad has said, he wants to put the website behind a uh, password. So only sure. repeat customers who had already mm -hmm. ordered with them could get access because, and I'm sure they would link to, uh, hey, you know, go to these other vendors, mm -hmm. like they do similar things to us. So that has never been the goal. And um, mm -hmm. honestly, I think the, the broader like success for the film down the line, there are these things called um, impact screenings, which mm -hmm. are essentially, if you have like, for, for example, with this film, like a cancer group who wanted to do like a paid screening and, and put it up, put the film up and fly me and mom out and we could talk sure. and things like that. 
I think that uh, as my parents' business would wind down, mm-hmm. there could be opportunity for my mom and I to be able to, and, and really, you know, really it'd be, for my parents to be very frugal, it could be a great <laughs> way for my mom to continue having some income in her retirement age. Sure. But uh, I think that's a way where the story of the business can grow and help and help support them. But really, at the end of the day, like it's not really about like blowing up the business. Right. And, and I never got the feeling like that. It, this was definitely just... I liked how it was revealed too, how it was a surprise to everyone as well. Uh, I, f- I found that interesting, but this is more about a portrait of, of, of family. And I think uh, if people realize that uh, definitely, it, I, yeah, but it never, I thought you definitely did well and never treating us like, Hey, now you could get these two for my, yeah. <laughs> here's the, the website. website. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, a couple more questions. What made you want to get into filming? Was it your dad always shooting from a camera or, you know, uh, what, what made you want to get into the business? Uh, I think that's a big part of it. I always, we were always really encouraged creatively as kids. And one of my favorite memories is I was in, I was in third grade, I think. And I would draw these epic like stick figure battle scenes. I was really into stick figures and, and, and these intricate battle scenes with tanks and this and that. And um, I had, uh, this is very in line with me. Um, I had this test or something I had done for mm-hmm. in third grade. I, I think I got a pretty bad grade. And on the back <laughs> of it, I had drawn, but I had extra time because I didn't know, you know, what the hell the answer. And so I drew this like epic, like stick figure battle and there were tanks and there was parachutes and this and that. And the teacher wrote a note, you know, like C minus. And she said, Justin should spend less time drawing and more time studying. And my parents thought that was so funny that they put it up on the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> because they were like, they were like, look at this, like, look at this creativity this kid yeah. is showing. Like, what is this teacher telling him? Like, you know, oh, you need to get more multiple choice answers, right? Like, it's stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always encouraged creatively. And so for me, I've been making video ever since I sure. was mm-hmm. six years old. Um, and, and my dad was, he had like a wedding videography business and some other little things. And so the, the technology was around, but as a kid, certainly I feel very lucky growing up when I did in the eighties and nineties, this mm-hmm. transition from analog to digital, the tools right. changing, yeah. the accessibility levels changing was a really interesting time to grow up. And I followed in very similar footsteps to my dad. I had a wedding videography business when I was like 17. And, and uh, because I, I, I was one of the internet's first video bloggers, I was like putting my sure. life online in like 1999, 2000, because I wanted to, my options were, and growing up as a kid in Eau Claire, I could make something for public access, right. rest in peace, yes. and, or I could figure out what this internet thing was and put mm-hmm. videos up there. And I did a public access show. I have a, somewhere I have a, a, an award for most promising new producer from like 2001 or something nice. like that. Sure. And, uh, and I, I have it, I have an Emmy over there as well. So I always put it like next to my, I put it next to my Emmy, which came 20 years <laughs> later. It's pretty funny. Um, but it, I always was, was encouraged creatively mm-hmm. and video was just a natural format for me. And from the beginning, creating little cringy short films or really documenting my life, which ended up being the ones that I, I cherish a lot more, um, became this kind of creative currency. 
and allowed me to network and meet a lot of interesting people. And I was a part of very early internet video startups. And then eventually I worked at Google for a short while. Um, and I think it was a, the right blend of that entrepreneurial spirit that my dad mm -hmm. has, uh, along with the craft of a video. And um, at a certain point, when you've put enough years into something, you're like, well, okay, this is me. This is what I do now. Yeah. Else. <laughs> and it really was very natural. And, sure. and I think the business side of it and the creative side of it were very natural for me. Well, it, it does come off. And, and now you've done two documentary features. You've uh, mentioned stick figures and tanks and such. You got any any fictional exploration you want to do with your projects? No, or do you I like documentary? Hate, no, I hate narrative. I'm not watching it, but like, sure. I, I, I hate reading scripts. Mm -hmm. I don't like working with actors. <laughs> I think being on a film, traditional film set is like, feels like school to me. Like, sure. I really hate it. I really did not like the structure of school and documentary is you can create structure and you can you can have a initial framework when you go in and and that's fine especially when working with clients but i like the the element of surprise mm -hmm. and and the authenticity of a documentary and and for me as a creative i feel much more comfortable being a sponge than a hammer David Fincher is a hammer. I, you know, I want it like this and this is my vision. Right. And I, and I like more being like, Hey, put me in the place. Let me absorb mm -hmm. the environment and, and be receptive and then secrete something afterwards sure. <laughs> after I've see, been able to digest it. See where it takes you. Exactly. Right. And that to me is a lot more, that's a lot more true to mm -hmm. life. It's true to who I am. And I certainly would be fascinated to see someone else do a, narrative version of this documentary i think that sure. would be pretty fascinating and something that my my producers have been excited about the possibility for mm -hmm. um but yeah for me no i think creatively if i if i'm going to make more stuff it's going to be on my youtube channel justin nice. superstar and uh and and i think that will be a good enough creative release for me i don't have any plans for any more features or mm. anything like that it's just, <laughs> i never wanted to do a second feature doc sure just the one i had to do <laughs> not 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 something i'm looking for <laughs> well we're very glad you did because you uh, gave us something special and i guess my final question is it, it, you're into documentaries you you really like them. what do you have a favorite documentary oh yeah I, for me my the most formative documentary really came at the perfect time for me in, in my life is in, in this late high school, early college. It's this documentary called American Movie, which mm. is um, absolute classic done um, by this director, Chris Smith, who now has done a zillion things. He's just a mm. real staple of the documentary film. It's about this very do-it-yourself do filmmaker in, mm. in the Milwaukee area who uh, is creating these films. And I saw it as like a high schooler and I was just so amazed. I was like, oh my God, other people are doing films in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. And the characters are great. I, I re <laughs> I rewatch it every couple of years. The characters are so great. And it's this perfect little portrait of Wisconsin in the nineties. They're like watching Brett Favre play in, in the Super Bowl and things like that. Mm -hmm. So um so that one really was really super compelling to me. And then and then over the years of course discovered other films. But that that film and like the and the narrative film Rushmore to me oh, yeah. are like mm -hmm. my like core memories and I think are very true to who I am as a person, creative filmmaker, all that stuff. 
Well, that's fantastic. And I thank you for your time, uh, Justin Superstar. Uh, you mentioned the YouTube. Uh, go ahead and, and, and chill away, sir. Uh, where can they find your stuff at? Yeah, my my creative work you can find at uh, Justin Superstar most everywhere. YouTube's mm -hmm. probably the best spot for that. And uh, for the film, it's a uh, Nip Factory Film on most of the socials. For mm -hmm. our um, Instagram is where I'm putting up a lot of our festival journey and and other little behind the scenes bits and pieces. And and yeah, that's where we're at. And uh, what festival next is it showing at? Do you have one coming up? Uh, nothing that's been announced. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. sure. But there's going to be some stuff in uh, late July, early mm -hmm. August okay. in the Northeast. And sure. then um, there's going to be something in September in uh, the Northwest. And then I think really there's a, the, the thing is, is there's a ton of festivals, really phenomenal regional festivals in October, which of course is also Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So sure. we're, we have a lot of hopes to to do a quite a quite a bit of of playing around the country in the September October time frame, just because of the volume of festivals and also the the topic of the film. Sure. It's it's pretty tough to find <laughs> a like lighthearted cancer film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. There it are is. some I know. There's it is Jesus, Seth Rogen or something did one, but um, yeah. but I think we have a really unique. Mm -hmm. film that's funny that that touches people emotionally has has an audience and um we're just hoping that we are able to find the the distribution and, and the backing to get it to a broad audience well i hope so too because it should be seen by a lot of people we don't get a huge amount of positive like you mentioned cancer films uh, films about cancer uh usually aren't uh, as positive as this one and and especially with the ending in that i was very happy people be very happy the way this plays out so there you go folks mom and dad's nipple factory i'll put the links in uh, the body for the webpage for this podcast and the description so you can follow where it's going to show catch it where you can and hopefully yeah i hope you get a uh, distribution for this because it's a it's a wonderful story that you've got here and uh it definitely needs to be seen by a lot more people i think so thank you for stopping by i love the shirt by the way too I just want to say. thanks. It's fun shirt, fun shirt Friday. This is my Key West shirt, so I'm getting fun. Fun shirt Friday. I like that. I got to remember that. 